Hello, my friend. Welcome once again to the Deeper Daily Podcast. I'm your host, Paul White. On this fifth day of April, it's a privilege and joy to be able to share with you the goodness of God's Word, and we are studying the Genesis stories. And as I've told you before, when we get out of Genesis, we're going to go to the New Testament for a while because it feels like we've been doing this journey through the Old Testament for quite some time. We actually have, and uh, slowed way down at times, sped up other times. Um, I've actually been way more intense in this Genesis story than I originally intended to be, but um, we've gotten a lot of response, particularly lately, uh, from people who are really enjoying this portion of the story. And I think that could be, I got to thinking about why that is, and I, I think it might be because we just don't hear these stories a lot. Um, if you're like me, you focus as much as possible on the new covenant and what Christ has done for us. And of course, that's who we are. We're believers in Jesus as we follow him. And sometimes we can do that at the expense of some of these, what I call Sunday school stories. And I say that, I say that lovingly, not, not disparagingly. I mean, these are the stories that I first heard in Sunday school as a kid, heard them over and over again. And we, we heard them as principles. We heard them as ways of approaching life. And, and of course, there's a headier way to teach them. And there's a more probably Christocentric way to teach them, more accurate. But I, I'm thankful that I heard them because if nothing else, I got them into my collective consciousness. I learned about Abraham and Isaac and Jacob and Joseph and the journey down into Egypt. And I learned about some of what might be considered minor characters of the Bible when you raised in church the way I was, which was all the time, um, from the time I, before I even, you know, I'm conscious, <laughs> then you, you are, uh, you're going to get flooded with those stories, particularly in the era and the, and the kind of churches I grew up in, which had some sort of Sunday morning, traditional Sunday school style stuff all of my life. And so, um, that might be why people are sort of turning towards these stories as we do them in the DDP. Maybe it's my perspective of having heard them for a long time and then putting Jesus into them, but I think it could also be because they're fascinating. There's a reason these biblical stories have survived, and it's not simply because they've been preserved by the Holy Spirit. I would I attribute the Bible as the preservation of the Holy Spirit without a doubt with all of its foibles and its man issues and translation problems and scribal issues. It's still been preserved for us by the Holy Spirit. But even if it hadn't been, even if the, the, the stories of the Bible had, had not been codified into the Bible, I think we would still use stories of old because they speak to these big things. They they speak beyond themselves. Um, they. It's why I've said to you before, and I was just working on this in my new book, but um, I don't care if the stories are true. I, I, I was writing this about Jonah and the whale. It doesn't matter to me if the story is, is real. Um, it's more true than real. I, I say it this way. It doesn't matter to me if the story is real. The story is relevant. And therefore, the story matters because... I don't have to prove whether or not Jonah actually went to Nineveh or whether or not Jonah was swallowed by a whale. It doesn't. My faith isn't built in whether it actually happened, but I do believe that what it represents both happened and is happening and will continue to happen. 
And that's why I approach these Old Testament stories in the way that I do to say to you, I'm not trying to prove to you when and where this happened, but if you were open to it, how could you deny that this happens? The story today in Genesis 45, and really if you were to follow, if you're following along in your text, it really encompasses all of 45, but we did the first seven or eight verses the last couple days. But there's two moments in verse 9, one in verse 9, one in verse 13, that very much remind me about of evangelism in general. Joseph tells his brothers, hurry up and go to my father and say to him, thus says your son Joseph, God has made me Lord of all Egypt. Come down to me. Do not tarry. You shall dwell in the land of Goshen. You shall be near me, you and your children, your children's children, your flocks and your herds and all that you have. There I will provide for you, lest you and your household and all that you have come to poverty, for there are still five years of famine. Behold your eyes and the eyes of my brother Benjamin. See that it is in my mouth that speaks to you. So you shall tell my father of all my glory in Egypt and of all that you have seen. You shall hurry and bring my father down here. There's a couple of moments there that sound very much like the presentation of the gospel. Joseph says, hurry up and go. Tell him about it. 13, tell my father of my glory. Aren't, isn't really what we're doing as children of God is we're going out into the land with a mandate to tell people of the glory that we have seen. This is why evangelism is difficult if you haven't seen the glory. If, and glory is, is God's goodness, who God is. If you haven't had a revelation of God's goodness, evangelism is going to be difficult for you. There was a time when evangelism for me was a mandate by the church, something we did because that's how we made the church grow, something we did because we thought it made God happy, something we did because we thought we had to. And so I've knocked on doors and um, did cold calls and all of the things that you associate with that style of evangelism, and I did a lot of them with no passion and no heart. And in many ways, I look back now and go, well, it's because I wasn't doing them from a revelation of God's goodness. I was doing them from a sense of obligation. But when we have a revelation of God's goodness, we respond in the way Joseph tells his brothers, hurry, go to my father, tell him my glory. And really what we're doing is we're going into our homes and our families and we're telling them, hurry, come see how good God is. And that's more than come to church, though it might have that as part of it. It's more than, hey, don't you get saved, although that might be part of it. What it is, is let me show you how good God is. And that, as far as I'm concerned, starts at the cross, where you really get to see the expression of God's love for humanity. We're going to make Jacob's journey into Egypt in Genesis 46 with him tomorrow. We'll see you then. God bless.